and prepared. And so as a pastor, I pray and I, I know that it's my duty and it's my responsibility to always make sure and share that invitation to all of you that are here that if there's one of you that has uh, never trusted Christ as their Savior, you need to realize that you're, you're a sinner. And you were born with a sin nature, and then because of that sin nature, then it led you down a life of uh, sin. And I don't care whether you're four years old or, or uh, 94 years old, you uh, are doing battle with that sin nature. And, and through that sin nature, then, has uh, brought you to a point in your life where your rejection of the, of the Savior has uh, uh, become evident in your life. And it tells us that there is that one sin that's not forgiven, and that's the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And that is the one where if you continue to reject him and continue to turn away from him, that uh, there comes a day when your appointment will come and you will not receive forgiveness. And But while you're still alive, you have that uh, possibility of opening your heart, realizing you're a sinner, in need of a savior and see and recognize that Jesus Christ went to that cross for you that he died on that cross and that he rose again showing us that he is God showing us that the very wrath of God was taken upon himself and that whosoever will call upon him shall be saved and so I pray as you honk the horn of testimony that uh, each one of you know Christ is your savior and I'm not I'm not here judging I'm not here, not even here condemning. God says that you condemn yourself when you're not a believer. And uh, John 3 and verse 17. And so you, uh, you condemn yourself. And so I pray that if you recognize the need of a Savior today, that with a humble heart you cry out to God to save you and be your Savior, and he will. And it is simple. And we praise the Lord for that and knowing that he has made that ultimate sacrifice. And and so then when these things come along and, and there's such a challenge in our lives because of the, uh, the scare that, that comes with these things and, and the, the, the terrifying aspect that you may die, that you can rest uh, assured in the word of God and in the promises that God has given us that we have an eternal home, and uh, which is a whole lot better than this one. <laughs> And so we want to worship him and we want to praise him. And, and so I, I pray that you know him as your savior and know that you have a friend here at Platte Valley. And if you ever need to talk to me, you can call me and uh, be happy to help you with that and uh, show you more scripture. And, uh, and if you're part of our church family and you need a friend to talk to, you call me, be happy to meet up with you and, and help you in any way that I can. And so... Uh, I'd like you to take your Bibles, and we're going to go back into Psalm 37 again. And, you know, I, I, I don't know if it's me and, or if the Lord's laying this on my heart. I, I think it's the Lord because I, I hate to write. I, I am not a writer, and, and uh, I, I, just, I just don't like the, the tediousness of, of writing. But I think I'm going to start working on just uh, for, for my own self, maybe more of a journal, maybe, or uh, write something about my outlook on Psalm 37 based on the uh, Corona scare of 2020. And, and uh, 
maybe it, it can help me as I write down some of my thoughts on this and, and, can, and uh, can truly help uh, myself. And then if I get it all done and it looks like it's halfway decent, maybe I'll pass it out to you guys and, and uh, be a reminder of Psalm 37. Because there was no accident that God brought us to Psalm 37 and uh, we started this uh, all the way back on the day before Teresa's birthday in February, February 23rd. And before this scare had even uh, really come to, to, to knowledge to all of us. And, and so uh, it just seems like it was God ordained that we be in this passage. And I don't know if it's even for all of you as, as it was much more for me. And it has been such a help. And it has been that. Uh, it's kind of been that, I, I, don't, I don't know, maybe lacking of a, of a better uh, illustration when, when we were working with uh, coon dogs and then also with bird dogs, we would keep them on a leash a lot of times when we were training them and, and we would use a choke chain. And I don't know if anybody, anybody here know what a choke chain is? All right, so then that choke chain you'd use to get that dog's attention, and it chokes them off. And then they come back, and they learn to give to that pressure, and they learn to, to, to uh, uh, do what they are supposed to do. And so lack of, a, of an illustration, I, I find that Psalm 37, God has used that in my life as a choke chain. Because I, you guys know me and, and my family for sure, and... and uh, that this has, um, you, you, you think that you've gone through the hardest trial in your life, and then you turn around and you run into another one. And, and uh, I'm not going to say this is the hardest trial in my life, but it has definitely been the most challenging uh, of, of the ministry in, in, in ministering and being able to reach out. And, and, and uh, I just really, really, really struggle with the idea of reprobate politicians trying to tell us as born-again believers how we can worship God and how we can't. And, and you guys are not helping with your horn honks right now. <laughs> but you understand, and you understand some of that that, that we go through, and, I, and I, the, the phone calls that I receive and the the prayers that go out and the, the text messages of uh, people that are struggling and, and, and as, our, as our politicians have made this all political, they have no idea what's been going on in the spiritual lives of people. And, and, and so, I mean, I could rant on this all day. You know that, and you don't need to hear that. And, and uh, uh, maybe you'll hear that if I run for president or something, you know. And so uh, free ammo for everybody if I win the presidency. But I say all of those things because you know my frustrations, and so I keep coming back to Psalm 37, and it's the testimony that I've given over and over and over and over. There, there have been some challenging times in, in the ministry here, and, and next week will be Mother's Day, and, and on Mother's Day next week will also be our 23rd anniversary as your pastor of Platte Valley Baptist Church. <coughs> and... There, there have been some challenges along the way, some, some really hard ones. And, and, and there have been times where there's been the question of, 
of moving on or doing something else and 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 I'm ashamed to to have had those thoughts because I know what God's done to uh, in calling me to be a pastor. I know that He's called me here and He's the one that can move me and and He's not going to move me in a coronavirus. He's going to move me on good terms and 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 this isn't it. But but I struggle with these things and I, and I have all and you know there there's times where. Uh, church split years ago and it seems like you would you would grow and then it'd come down and grow and come down and then people would get angry and leave over uh, uh, honestly over some silly things and they have through the years and and those challenges that come and you see people come and you watch people go and and, and it breaks your heart when you see those things and and the only thing that that has has kept me balanced the only thing that that continues to bring me back to where I need to be, and that's why I know that it is so important for all of you to be in that same place, is that you need to stay in the Word, and, and you need to continue to, to, to pray to God and pour out your heart to God and, and let Him know what, what you're thinking. And He already knows it, but He wants to hear it, and, and, and He's your Father, and, and you lay it out to Him, and, and you lay out your frustrations, and you, you lay out your anger, and you lay out your 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 uh, the feelings of inadequacy and the insecurities and, and the questions that you have. And, and you can lay them all out to God, but, but the one thing that you always need to be doing is going back to the Word of God because that is where He's going to answer you. He's not going to write it in some cloud somewhere. He's, he's not going to make it easy for you to where somebody's going to walk up to you and, and be like an Old Testament prophet and say, Thus saith God, that isn't the way it is. He's going to show you in his word. And it's in his word that he's going to bring you around and show you, hey, you need to understand that, that, that what is important to me, to, to God, in that, in that illustration is that what God is saying, what's important to me is that you follow me. That you look to me and that you listen to what the word says. And so there are times when God has, has taken this now over these this is our seventh week of doing this. I don't know if you guys remember on that Wednesday night back in March where we voted as a church body and said, well, President Trump has requested that we take a couple of weeks and we separate and kind of self-quarantine ourselves and protect ourselves from this plague. I don't know if you remember, that was two weeks, we said, and we were so very gracious, we thought, and we voted, and we said, you know what, we'll just wait, and we won't come back together until April 5th. That will be the Sunday that we come back and, and start worshiping together. And it's just like the devil in the world, that you give a little, they take a lot. And so we... we uh, think about the challenges of this and but we need to always understand that God has this under control he knows our heart he knows that we want to be in this building and it's not the building it has nothing to do with the building it has everything to do with being able to come together and and worship together and to to sit down beside each other and 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 share the issues of our lives and and to be able to pray with one another and 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 look we may be some of you may be introverts and think hey this is great 
This is not what God wants you to be doing for the rest of your life. And so we need to understand that, and, and, and so with a pure heart, we do want to do those things, and God knows that, and, and so he brings us back here to Psalm 37, and, and, and the one that just keeps jumping out, and we'll, we're going to see this several times, but he starts it off with, fret not, that, there's that command. And I know I keep re, repeating and, and covering this over and over and over, but, but here he, he tells us, that, and these are all commands that he's given us, and, and stop fretting, and don't be envious of these characters, because one day they'll be soon cut down like the grass, and trust in God, do good. Dwell in the land, be fed, delight thyself, commit thy way unto the Lord, trust in the Lord, and, and he'll bring forth thy righteousness as the light and thy judgment as the noonday. Look, there will come a day when, when God will uh, uh, declare the vengeance and God will declare that, that we will do what it is that, that we need to be doing and our righteousness will be shown and, and he'll know our heart and know why we're doing what we're doing. And then last week, we or two weeks ago, we saw the command to rest in the Lord, to be silent, to be resigned, and it was a command. It's been hard to be silent. It's been hard to keep your mouth shut at times, mine anyway. Hard sometimes to see all of the junk that's going on around us. It's hard. It is hard for me to see people in, in our church family that are, that are scared and terrified and, and the government tells us that you can't do anything for them right now. They have to deal with this on their own. <clears throat> and so he tells us that we need to rest in him and I haven't had much rest. And I'm sure you haven't either because it's not about me. But I keep coming back to this and that choke chain keeps holding on and, and then he tells us the very next one is to wait patiently. Now in our thoughts, as we give thought to waiting patiently, it would, uh, we might think it in a pleasant term of, of waiting patiently and, and, and it could be, I mean it, it could be just waiting for something patiently, kind of like, I don't know, going to Walmart and, and, and standing outside as, as they have had their limit of people that have been able to go into their building and so you have to stay outside and, and you wait patiently until someone comes out so you can go in. <laughs> Nobody honked on that one. <clears throat> but it also has the idea and it is a command and so he does tell us to wait patiently. And so I give thought to the last seven weeks, and, and I ask myself, God, ha, ha, have I waited patiently? Ha, have, I, have I dealt with this correctly? And, and at times I can say yes, and at times I can say no, I flunked the test in a bad way. And, and, and I go and I start giving some thought to this waiting patiently, and, and I find out that, that the meaning of this waiting patiently means to whirl, to dance, to, to, to writhe in pain, and to wait longingly for something to happen. So now it doesn't necessarily mean that, that it's in a good way that, that we are waiting patiently for something. I, 
I found this interesting. I, I, I was reading in, in Job, and, and, and in Job 15, in verse 20, this is what, what was written in verse 20, and it says, and, and this is the word, travaileth, okay? Travaileth with pain is the same word that, that we have used here in Psalm 37 to wait patiently. And in verse 20, it says, The wicked man travaileth with pain all his days, and the number of years is hidden to the oppressor. Now, I find this interesting, same word that, that he's telling us as believers that we need to wait patiently. And, and, and here it doesn't mean that, that we might be comfortable in doing this, but he still tells us that you need to wait patiently and it's going to be okay. And, and here we see that God uses this for those that are evil, those that are unsaved and, and the wicked, and they travaileth in pain. And, and so now they're waiting patiently. And, and it's not in the same uh, uh, context, but here we see that that the, the unsaved and the wicked man is is waiting and, and he's travailing in this pain and and and, uh, all, and all of his days and and why because the number of years is hidden to the oppressor he doesn't know how long he has he doesn't know whether he has just today or whether he has another 20 years to go or or he doesn't know the, those things and and how happy he he wants to try to display and tell everybody that he's happy and and you can go into the world and I can tell you from this passage and that verse right there this is God saying these things and God is saying that those that are wicked are not happy and they are travailing in pain and they're writhing in this thought and, and this knowledge in their conscience and, and that which they're trying to push away and they're trying to tell us that none of these things are good and, and that these things that are of God are, are of no importance and only science is what matters and, and how that, that we need to look to that and, and we're going to find our happiness in doing whatever it is that we want to do and make all the money in the world and, and we're going to find our happiness and, and we can find our, our happiness in some immoral relationship or in some incestuous relationship or in some, some sodomite uh, relationship and think that things are going to be good and they're not going to be good and, and that conscience is still going to be there and the, and the harder they go and pushing away God and pushing him away, the harder we are going to stand and preach the word of God and tell them the truth of what it is and, and who he is and that they need to understand that they need to turn away from that which is coming and it is a judgment that will come upon their head. That's waiting patiently. Not in such good terms, is it? They don't know how much time they have and how we need to look and understand that God is the one that has all of that under control and we need to look to Him and we need to trust Him. Jeremiah 23 and verse 19 Behold, a whirlwind of the Lord is gone forth in fury, even a grievous whirlwind. It shall fall grievously upon the head of the wicked. That fall grievously, same word, as waiting patiently. Oh, there is a day. And so I look at that and, and I think, okay, God, how can I apply that to my life? And, 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 and how is it that that these things can be used in a positive note for me as a believer then. And, well, I need to understand that, hey, what, what, what's going on in that evil person's life? 
He's going to have to deal with that. And, and there is a day coming. And, and so I wait patiently and knowing that what I need to do is do what's right according to what God shows me and tells me in his word and through the, the peace of the leading of the Holy Spirit and through the counsel of those who are godly. And, and we go in the path that we need to go and, and we don't uh, look to them and, and, we, and we know that their day is coming and we wait patiently on God to do that. And we wait patiently in knowing that the whirlwind is coming and that we're not going to have to be a part of that, that, that God is going to bless those who are righteous and we look to him and we wait patiently for him in that. But also we need to realize that it's not necessarily pleasant in waiting for that. You go over to the small book of Esther. You look at the small book of Esther and I find it interesting as you study through the book of Esther and you find out that God's name is not mentioned one time in the book of Esther. Not once. Not once. But here we see that God was working. And God was doing something. And he was doing something extraordinary. And we know that there was a man by the name of Haman who hated Mordecai. Haman was one of those politicians that was schmoozing the king and trying to make himself of some worth in the eyes of people and Mordecai said, I'm not going to bow to you. I, I, I wonder, I, I wonder about those that, who are standing in pulpits and telling us that we should just do everything that the government tells us to do and, and we need to be meek and lowly in these things and, 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 and we need to understand that they're only there for our good and our welfare and our benefit and and, and if we're not doing that, then we have a rebellious heart in our, in our lives. And I wonder if that same preacher would have stood there at the gate and told Mordecai the same thing. Mordecai said, I'm not going to worship you, Haman. I'm not going to show you any respect for your ungodliness. And so Haman said, well, I'm going to show you and so he goes to the king and talks to the king and says, hey, there's a whole group of people out here in your nation that hate you and they need to be destroyed. And he ended up convincing the king and assigning a seal and said, yep, that's okay. Wipe them out. Kill every Jew that's out there. And so we see Haman is all excited about that. And what Haman didn't know is the king had married Esther and Esther was a Jew. And so Mordecai had heard these things, and so he was sitting at the gate of the palace, and there he was, he was in his sackcloth, and there he was mourning, and there he was praying, and, 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 and weeping, and, and telling God about what was going on, and, and he was making a, a public spectacle of this in front of the king's palace, and, and, and Esther is watching her uncle, and thinking, why is he doing this, and finds out what's going on, and, and then this is what happens in chapter 4 of, of Esther, verse 1. When Mordecai perceived all that was done, Mordecai rent his clothes and put on sackcloth with ashes and went out into the midst of the city and cried with a loud and bitter cry and came even before the king's gate, for none might enter into the, ga the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. In every province, whithersoever the king's commandment and his decree came, 
There was great mourning among the Jews and fasting and weeping and wailing and many in sackcloth and ashes. So Esther's maids and her chamberlains came and told her, then was the, the queen exceedingly grieved. And she sent raiment to clothe Mordecai and to take away a sackcloth from him, but he received it not. Those two words, exceedingly grieved, are the same two words that's used in Psalm 37. Wait patiently. And so now when you start thinking about waiting on God and we're waiting patiently for God, sometimes we need to understand that, that we are writhing in, in, in a pain and, and in an expectation and, and truly wanting an answer and, and, and wanting God to show himself mighty. And, and, and here you read this story and, and we see that, that their entire nation was in jeopardy of being wiped out during this time, and, and she was exceedingly grievous over what was going on, and, and here she needed to understand, and she did understand, and so did Mordecai understood that the only one that was going to give them salvation of this was going to be God. God was the one. I read a statement by our president this morning on Facebook, and he talks about the the, the great plague that came through and, and America will rise up again. President Trump, get on your knees and ask God for forgiveness of your pride and your arrogance and ask God to take care and wipe out the enemies of God and wipe out those that are telling us that we can't worship any longer and, and come together as, a, as God has made and seen fit for the local church. And get on your knees and ask God to stop the plague. It's not the American spirit that's going to do it. It's not some Western attitude that's going to give us victory over this. It is God and God only. We have no idea where we're headed in this country. But we need to make a choice. As Joshua did, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And we all need to. And we need to understand. And, and so it is helping me, whether it shows it or not. It really does help me to see where God says, wait patiently. I can do this. Haman ended up dying on his own gallows. The king told the Jews to arm yourselves and you kill anyone that comes at you and tries to kill you. Protect yourself. And we see that they did. And we see that they were spared. Because it tells us that they didn't rise up in a revolution against the king. When they heard what was going on, the nation of Jews fell upon their knees and asked God for help. That's what we need to do. And that's what I need to do. When that anger starts welling up, when the frustrations come, when you are talking to friends that have lost their loved one, they've been married for years and years, and watch their loved one pass off into eternity and actually don't even watch it, they just have to wait for a phone call because they're not allowed in the very presence of the one who's dying.
I'm sorry, but if I get the junk and I'm dying, you put me in my own bed. And don't take me anywhere. And you let me die there in, in, with my family. The fear. The fear in our country is overwhelming because people are afraid to die. Let us wait patiently. Let us wait patiently for him. But then, I, I know I'm, I, I got to finish this next one because this is God's chastening on me. How did he start off verse 1? Fret not. Now we turn around and now we get to verse 7 and he tells us to rest. He tells us to wait patiently. But then he turns around and tells us for the second time, fret not. Fret not. Quit getting so angry. That's the struggle. I, I, and I know this is on live stream for, you know, our 900 and some viewers to watch or however many or whatever. And, and But, <clears throat> yeah, I fret. But you can't. God says not to. It, it tells us in Genesis 4, and I won't go there for time, but in Genesis 4 and, and, and uh, verses 4 through 8, there it talks about Cain and Abel, and there it talks about the point where, where Cain got so mad that he ended up killing Abel because he was fretting. Because he was fretting. You see where it leads? If we allow these things to overwhelm us, then we see where it leads us, and we don't need to do that. And as a matter of fact, God is commanding us, fret not thyself. And the first one he said, fret not thyself because of evildoers. We're surrounded with them. They're in the world. They're in our politics, in our government everywhere. The government kind of reminds me of Sodom and Gomorrah. God, just give us ten righteous people. But we don't need to fret because of evildoers. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way. Fret not of, don't get angry of Pelosi as she stands in front of her $24,000 refrigerator with a carton of ice cream and tells you to go home and eat ice cream and it tastes better than Lysol. Fret not of the evildoers that praise the idea that Abortion clinics are open all over this country. You know, if we're going to live by that philosophy of the abortion clinics, it's my life, it's my body, then I would think we ought to be able to come together and meet. <laughs> Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way. You need, and, and then I, I wrote something and I... And I highlighted in my notes, stop worrying your heart. Stop worrying your heart. You know, there are, <clears throat> I, I was reading about the uh, disciples and there at the end of Luke and all, and, and didn't really show it in Luke so much, but John it does where, you remember there at the end when Jesus was crucified and he had shown himself, but they 
they uh, was waiting for him to, to return and show himself again. And so Jesus said, I go a fishing. Remember, he went fishing to maybe kind of clear his mind and clear his heart and just think about what was going on and let things slow down. You know, there's times where you just need to stop worrying your heart over all the evildoers and over all the trash that's going on around us. And we don't need to fret because of him who prospereth in his way. Because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. You know, I, I, I know that he's a very wealthy individual, Bill Gates, but you know, Mr. Bill Gates needs to understand, and as it is appointed unto man, wants to die. After this, the judgment. He'll find that all the money that he has in the world won't keep him alive. Not here on earth. Oh, he'll live forever. But if his trust and faith is in his money, which right now he seems to point at, he'll find out that all the money in the world won't buy him eternal life. And so there are those that bringeth wicked devices or purposes to pass. But as I was studying out, I like to do word studies. And, and as I saw this word device and thinking about the evil purposes, you also need to understand that, that it can be used in a positive way also. And in Proverbs 2 and verse 11, <clears throat> it tells us, Discretion shall preserve thee. Understanding shall keep thee. That word discretion is the same word used for devices in verse 7 of Psalm 34 or Psalm 37. And so now we see that it can be in a positive way too. Oh, the evil are going to use their devices for, for evil purposes. And, and he says, don't fret about it. I got this. It's going to be okay. We can handle what it is that that's happening, and, 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 it, and it is okay, and, and don't fret yourself about this. I got it taken care of, but, but here as they bring these wicked devices to pass, you who are righteous, you that are cleansed by the blood of Christ, you that are children of God, you need to remember that discretion shall preserve thee. Your devices shall preserve thee. Your purposes shall de, de, uh, preserve thee, and and then I even looked and I thought, well, I wonder what today's uh, definition of, uh, of discretion would be. And, and it is the freedom to act or judge on one's own. <clears throat> so you know what he's telling us? And look, every one of you, fret not about what's going on with the evildoers and everybody around you. But your discretion, your ability to read the word of God, your privilege of being a child of God, you have the very presence of the Holy Spirit in your heart and in your life. And so and because of that, as you read the word of God and as you are praying and communicating to me as your father, as, as God is telling you this, that you can act and make judgments on your own. On your own. You know what's great is, is we live in a country that allows us to do that. And that's why we're here to make this choice to come and worship together as we are. And we've been very kind and considerate in listening to what the 
politicians who are scared to die tell us to do. But the day is coming when we stop living in any fear. We make the decision because we have the freedom given to us by God to act or judge on one's own. And let us live righteously for him. So as I see these commands, God obviously wrote this for all of mankind, but sure seems like Psalm 37 has been directly at me because he keeps telling me, fret not, fret not, fret not. Stop burning with anger. And then he goes on, but I'm going to stop here because we'll pick on this next week, about being angry, being wrathful. And so it's kind of a different message today. It's just one that <clears throat> I guess it was for me. I guess I just preached the message today for me. Let us be what God wants us to be. Let's serve him. Let's wait patiently for him. And sometimes in that waiting patiently doesn't mean that you're comfortable doesn't always mean that you're satisfied. You're almost writhing in pain. But we wait for God to show us. And we do what it is that God wants us to do. To bring honor and glory to him. Let's be that. Let's be that. Before we can ever be a good American or be a good patriot or even be a good person. We need to be a good child of God an obedient one that looks to him, that serves him. And when we're that, we'll know and we'll have the discretion to know what it is that we need to do. And so we live for him and we praise him. And I thank him. I thank him for his mercy, for his long-suffering, for his grace, everything. So let's serve him together. And let's look for the opportunities that God gives us. And let us be open in our hearts to what he tells us. And obedient in our minds. And see God's blessings upon our lives. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you. I love you. I pray that you will be honored and glorified in our behavior, in our thoughts, in our lives, in our families in our church. And Father, I pray that you will guide us and direct us. And I pray that you will be honored and glorified. I pray that you will help us as we learn to wait patiently. Even in the seriousest of times, the most serious of times, in the even as Esther. And Father, I pray that you will help us not to fret. I pray that you help us to be a body of believers that stand passionately upon your word and what you would have for us to do. And Father, I pray that you would use us as we witness to others around and that we'll see many through this time come to trust you as their Savior. I pray you do a work in our hearts. Guide us and direct us, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing.
402 is like a river glorious. Just going to sing that first verse and then we'll be dismissed. <clears throat> but it gives you some time. If you need to do some business with God, please, you do so. If you need to talk to me this week, you contact me. I'll be happy to help any way that I can. 402, like a river glorious. church, you're dismissed. that.